When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We have a conference championship weekend to run through. Two wild upsets, two wild dominations. There's only four teams getting into the college football playoff. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kid folks? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, on YouTube, listening wherever you get your podcast. I am in Indianapolis where we just got done watching an utter domination by the Michigan Wolverines in the Big Ten Championship. And that is a great place to start this wild and fun conference championship weekend. Number two, Michigan knocked off. Unranked Purdue, 43-22 to in Purdue's first trip ever to the Big Ten Championship. Michigan officially playing the game without running back Blake Quorum, who went under season-ending knee surgery on Friday, which meant that it, if we didn't already know it was the Donovan Edwards show, that it was the Donovan Edwards show. And my man absolutely showed out. 47 carries and 401 yards, three tutties in Blake Quorum's absence, going back to the game in Columbus, where he had a breakout performance, having 21 carries, 216 yards, and long TDs of Locker Long TD. In this game, I thought it was really interesting that Michigan did what we know Michigan to do, which is to start very slowly and finish extremely fast. As a matter of fact, they led Purdue 14-13 to 13 at half. And Aiden O'Connell had even said in the post-game press conference, we felt pretty good about where we were at Lucas Oil Stadium, believing we could come out and give Michigan Again, when Donovan Edwards said, I don't think so, sir. I think that I'm going to break off long run after long run, and I'm going to body shot you until such a time as you show me your chin, and when we're going to knock you on the floor. And for Jim Harbaugh, this has to be just one of the coolest sensations to feel as a head coach because it's not just that his team dominated. It's that his team dominated while Purdue moved the ball so well in the second half, but could not score. We're talking about Aiden O'Connell throwing for over 450 yards in this game, but Purdue only producing 22 points in this game. Will Johnson, quarterback at Michigan, had not one, but two massive interceptions, both in the second half. The first one was like, my goodness, is this not the best cornerback, maybe the best defender for the Michigan Wolverines on this team? But my goodness, like, I'm wondering also, was he sitting on a route? Because that second interception he had was fantastic, jumping a slant route and absolutely giving the deuces to Purdue because the game was over after he made that pick. Jim Harbaugh completes his first undefeated season as head coach in the Michigan Wolverines and leads Michigan to their first 13-0 start in program history. And Wolverines have been playing college football since the 19th century. Not too shabby for Jim Harbaugh, a man that could not get over the hump of Ohio State and then has done it twice in two years 
won Big Ten championships, and is a shoe-in for the college football playoff for the second year in a row. And this time with two underclassmen in the backfield, J.J. McCarthy at quarterback and obviously Donovan Edwards at tailback. Really excited to see what they do in the college football playoff. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a little bit. But we got to move from the Big Ten championship game to the Big 12 championship game, which was a thriller. I had my eyes glued to this one for the entirety of the game. Number 10, Kansas State upsets. Number three, Texas Christian, 31-28 in overtime. Again, fantastic game. Texas Christian went in to have trailing Kansas State by four, which for TCU is nothing new. They were in the same uh, situation most of the time this season and came back to win against Kansas State 38-28 in the second half, but not this time. Kansas State played outstanding football on both sides. Deuce Vaughn led the way with 26 carries, 130 yards, and a TD. But the Kansas State defense absolutely coming up big for defensive coordinator Joe Klanderman. As a matter of fact, they are able to force overtime by getting Texas Christian into third and goal, fourth and goal situations and hold firm, stop them from scoring what would have been a, a score that could have won the game for Texas Christian to force that overtime or excuse me, in overtime and then get the ball back to pick their, their field goal. Kansas State's defense was outstanding. I can't say enough good things about how they played against a really tough and resilient Texas Christian team. It did, however, take Kansas State overtime to beat TCU. And that is going to be important as for the next 12 hours. That's what we're going to be discussing. Is Texas Christian good enough to be in the college football playoff? We will get to that a little bit further in the show. But I also just want to give it up to Kansas State because they won their first Big 12 championship since 2012. How long ago was that? The offensive coordinator at Kansas State is Colin Klein. He was the quarterback and captain at Kansas State the last time the Wildcats won the Big 12 title, and my goodness, made a berth in the Fiesta Bowl where they got to play against Oregon. Great time for what I saw in, well, what I know of Optimus Klein and what I know of what he's absolutely been able to do against one, well, Texas Christian team that was undefeated and unscathed, and then to turn Will Howard into an absolute winner as we are continuing to see what Kansas State is capable of. I can't wait to see them in their New Year's Six Bowl game. Max Duggan also outstanding in this game. He put the team on his back, especially in the second half, to send the game into OT. He had 95 rush yards on TCU's last TD drive alone. This is a man who was converting second and 20s, converting third and long with his legs. I'm familiar with this because he was doing a bunch of this actually in 2019 against one Oklahoma. When we were all talking about Jalen Hurts, it was Max Duggan that was really coming into form. Did not start the game as the, or excuse me, didn't start the season as a starter. But ended as a starter when we all know that Chandler Morris is back there and what a job Garrett Riley in particular has done as the offensive coordinator at Texas Christian. I think it's going to be between him and Jesse Minter for the Broyles Award. Both guys deserve it. I can't wait to see who they choose. Full credit to Texas Christian and the kind of performance they put on this year. Remember, they were picked to finish seventh in their own conference, and now they are staring at looking at really good chance to be in the college football playoff for the first time in their history. One question we do all have, and I want to hear some more talk about, is why didn't Sonny Dykes give the ball to Max Duggan on fourth and goal in overtime after he had demonstrated he was willing to bleed, hurt, do whatever was uh, in his power to go and get a W for Texas Christian. And for you to give that ball to Kendra Miller instead of Max Duggan, 
it's kind of like for me, the Super Bowl in which Pete Carroll just decided to give the, did not decide to give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. We're looking at this the same way. Texas Christian could have had a Big 12 championship to go along with their 12 and 0 start to the season, but 12 and 1 will have to do. Does TCU stay at number three in the college football playoff rankings after losing in the Big 12 championship game? It's a very interesting question. I'm going to attack that further on in the show, but I want to touch on before we get to the college football playoff. The rest of our outstanding conference championship weekend, SEC championship was ho-hum because most of us felt like Georgia was going to win the SEC championship, and they did not let us down. Number one, Georgia stomped out. Number 14, LSU, 50 to 30. Wacky start to the SEC championship game. Of course, LSU's uh, special teams let them down once again. And, you know, shout out to uh, Brian Kelly, who... Uh, well, decided to bring one guy with him from Notre Dame, and that happened to be a special team coach. Now we're looking at Brian Pulley and going, yo, dog, I don't know if it's going to work out for next year because you can't be doing what y'all was doing against the Georgia Bulldogs and expect to come out there anything like a win, all right? So Georgia blocks the LSU field goal, and you can see that being run back right now on the screen if you are watching on the YouTubes. But it was that kind of game for Georgia, and frankly, that kind of game for LSU. Now, LSU's Jaden Daniels went out late. So did Georgia's uh, Lad McConkey, wide receiver with a head injury to the tent in the first half. Jaden Daniels just didn't look right one and a half time. Then Garrett Nussmeyer comes out the second half. And Garrett Nussmeyer is absolutely slinging it. Now, before I got to Fox, one of the things that I would do is search out the four and five star recruits that were committed or about to commit to where they were going to go and ask them about their decisions to do this, right? So I get to talk to Garrett Mustmeyer on the YouTube channel, and I get to ask a story about, you know, him and his dad. His dad is the quarterback's coach for the Dallas Cowboys and famously was an offensive coordinator for Nick Saban at Alabama. And I'm going, hey, dog, um, you don't seem to have a check down in your game. He said, RJ, the good Lord gave me a cannon. I'm going yeah, to use it, dude. And that's what you saw. He came out absolutely going, no, we're down. What do we do when we're down? As the psychotherapist once asked, we run four verticals. We go 999 all the way down the field. He was loading up, putting after Georgia's secondary, and I really enjoyed that as he and Malik Neighbors seemed to have a really good kinship. I believe Malik had five catches for over 100 yards in this game, and Garrett Nussmeyer absolutely came out slinging it and looked great. He is the future for LSU. I'm getting really giddy at the prospect of watching what he might be able to do in 2023. Hate that Jaden Daniels had to go out in this way, but we would be remiss if we didn't say without Jaden Daniels, LSU is not in a position to play for a conference championship in 2022. It's just that. That man just does not throw the ball to the other team. And I can't say enough good things about how hard that is to do while also throwing the ball down the field. Jaden Daniels is an outstanding quarterback. Also, Georgia's showing no mercy in this game because, well, we always ask this question, when does Georgia show up? They show up in the games with teams that have numbers next to their names, right? So LSU's got a number next to their name, so they decide to drop 50 on them, just so everybody understands going into college football playoffs election Sunday. We are the number one team in the country. Can anyone beat Georgia for the national championship? I have an answer for this. Again, we're going to wait until the end of the show to attack all of this as it relates to the college football playoff. Want to touch on the Pac-12 championship, which was played on Friday night. Number 11, Utah upsets number four, USC, 47-24 to to win the Pac-12 title for the second year and to double up Lincoln Riley in the same year, okay? Utah beat USC again and also ruined the college football playoff chance for the Pac-12 again. The Pac-12 has not had a college football playoff invitee 
since 2016. And that was so long ago that the head coach of that team at Washington, Chris Peterson, he works at Fox now. All right. That, like, that, that's what it is. Pac-12. They are becoming a joke unto themselves because they will cannibalize, cannibalize themselves and keep each other out of the Pac-12 championship. But I got to say, if you are a Pac-12 member after 2024, you probably feel some kind of way about USC perhaps being the team to not only win your league, but get into the college football playoff as they and UCLA are slated to leave the Pac-12 to join the vaunted Big Ten. Kyle Whittingham is the most underrated coach in college football. He led the Utah Utes to an undefeated season in 2008. They stopped out Alabama, and we didn't give them a national championship then. We continue to say, hey, the Pac-12 ain't nobody, and Utah continue to say, oh, except when we play, and we sun this league. That includes USC. Matter of fact, when Lincoln Riley decided to go to USC, one of the things that I had postulated is he must think that this league is weak. And if you are the kind that thinks this league is weak, you would look at Kyle Whittingham and Utah and say, no, we can go beat them. And Kyle Whittingham is not that tight. Kyle Whittingham has a barrel chest, and he wants to win in the trenches, and they want to absolutely bloody your nose. And if you needed one image to know what this game was like to watch Utah beat up on USC, just know that USC, a USC defender leveled, leveled Cam Rising. And Cam Rising popped up with his helmet off, smiled, and ran over the sideline. Because Cam Rising? Football guy. That is the kind of athlete that has to be at Utah for you to play at Utah. Kyle Whittingham ain't giving out no easy wins. You better get it. Matter of fact, running back Jaquindon Jackson comes from Duncanville, where he played quarterback and was going to play quarterback at Texas. He's a running back at Utah running over people. So that's two former or one former quarterback and a quarterback who ain't afraid of getting popped in the mouth. That ought to terrify you if you are playing them in the Rose Bowl. And that might be Penn State. That's going to be outstanding as two teams that really want to win the trenches have outstanding tailbacks. Can't wait to see if, when, how that game happens. Cam Rises, 22 of 34, 310 yards, three TDs. The Caleb Williams injury really did change the game. And frankly, I think changed the Heisman race. It was a tale of two halves. How did this affect him in the second half? Well, the man couldn't move. And to know about Caleb Williams and know that his elusiveness is what makes him special. There have been comparisons to Patrick Mahomes, to Kyler Murray, to Johnny Manziel. Fact of the matter is the play is broken down and it's dead. And not only does he revive it, he turns it into a positive game and sometimes a TD. And then his attitude is one in which has become, well, one we like to see. If you know what I'm talking about, just look at his nails and how they're painted for each game. And we can go from there and you can go see that. But this is also really an outstanding courtesy to the Ohio State Buckeyes, to which I'm going to let Kyle Whittingham tell you what he had to say to Ryan Day. You know, I got a feeling, Kyle, in Columbus, Ohio, you're not going to have to pay for a meal. <laughs> Coach Day, you're welcome. Man. And that is outstanding from Kyle Whittingham. Frankly, I didn't know that Kyle Whittingham had that card signed to wit with him right away. But also, Utah had the last laugh. My goodness, this tweet is amazing. Somebody needs a raise on the social team at Utah football. Because if you could not have the laugh with this one, even if you're a USC fan, I'm just going to assume that nothing really mattered to us, that you didn't even win your division. We just matter who did you play and how did you lose and how did that team do the rest of the way. It's really difficult to look at Ohio State's resume 
going on the road, for instance, against Penn State and handing them one of two L's they got, the other one they got from Michigan when Penn State traveled to the big house, right? And say that Ohio State is not one of the four best teams in college football, if not one of the three best teams in college football, right? So I think Ohio State not only take USC spot, I think they take TCU spot. TCU goes to four, Ohio State goes to three, Michigan goes to two, and of course Georgia stays at one, or I should say Michigan stays at two. Alabama for me is on the outside looking in. Nick Saban made the case for his team during halftime of the Big Ten championship game, for which I'm just going to let you listen to how he laid out his case for the Tide getting into the playoff. And what I would say to the committee or anyone else is if we played any of these teams that are on the edge or getting in, would we be the underdog or would we be the favorite? And I think if you can answer that question and the goal is to get the best teams in, uh, then you would say, they belong in there. Yeah, dog. Um, so you want us to look at you and say, hey, you beat an old Miss team to lost the Egg Bowl to Mississippi State. Cool. You scheduled an FCS Austin P and want us to look the other way, but we ain't. And then you beat up on an Auburn team that ain't got no head coach. Yeah, man. Um, no, 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 no. What do you what think it is? All right. Even if I believed your cockamamie argument, you lost to Tennessee in Knoxville. And sorry for you, but they lost to South Carolina. And South Carolina ain't no college football playoff team. All right, dog? And then you lose to LSU. And that wouldn't be so bad because LSU's playing in the, well, conference championship game if LSU ain't going to lose to 5-7 and Texas A&M. Nah, man. Nick Saban knows his team does not deserve or belong in the college football playoff this year. And shout out to Coach Meyer, who just kind of called him out because he knows how these things go, going, hey, I'm glad that I can pull you away from your recruiting dinner to go talk on Fox about how your team should be in the college football playoff. You saw this when Nick decided to chuckle at Urban, know what the game is and knowing what you need to do. But Nick Saban, I got to give credit, man. At least he's going to stand on the soapbox for his kids, trying to tell us, you know what, Bryce Young wasn't really healthy. So we didn't play him against Texas A&M. And you damn near lost to him, too. Just saying. I can't have it both ways. Take this New Year's Six Bowl bird and be happy. You know? You win tight. You won 10 games again. That's not too shabby, even in a place like Tuscaloosa. All right. On the way out. As we were loading up the show, the news became official. Deion Sanders is the new head coach at Colorado. I wrote about this at some length. On FoxSports.com, you can go read about my thoughts there about what this means for the sport, what this means for Colorado, what this means for the Pac-12, what this means for Coach Prime. And we will discuss this later on in the week when we do our coaching carousel show and our transfer portal show as we get ready for bowl season. But I'm just going to leave you with these thoughts, right? The first thing is this is a natural step for Deion Sanders. I didn't think that Colorado was the job you should take because I think that Colorado is, quite frankly, a job that is beneath a man of his talent and caliber. He could have just stayed at Jackson State. But going to a Power 5 job, having the resources that a place like Colorado will allow, is going to allow Deion Sanders to do more than he could at Jackson State. I'll put it this way. He led Jackson State to back-to-back SWAC championships in their first 12-0 season in school history amid a pandemic, amid a statewide water crisis, and at an underfunded HBCU program. He turned not just a winner, but a nationally prominent program. You know where Jackson State is. You know what Jackson State is because of what Deion Sanders has done just since taking the job in September of 2020. All right. Next thing to say here is that Lincoln Riley's on his way out going to the Big Ten. 
the Pac-12 was going to get raided, if not forced to dissolve. That's the conversation before the season started. And now look at them. Not only is Utah defending them against what they think is a team that or a program that is leaving them, but they are adding Deion Sanders to the mix for the last year with Lincoln Riley in the mix and saying, yeah, we expect to keep Deion Sanders for the next couple of years. And if nothing else, Colorado is now must-see television because Prime is must-see television. He's going to recruit his behind off because you know that he already got the number one recruit in the class of 22 to come to an FCS program in Jackson, Mississippi, y'all. You can assume, or at least I would, that his son Shadur Sanders would follow him to Colorado to finish his degree. And it's not anything to say that that man has outstanding NIL deals and gets to call Tom Brady on line one anytime he needs something. What I'm telling you is, if athletic director Rick George is going to let primetime be primetime, expect us to be over there in primetime watching what Colorado does each and every week and starting with week one because they will face a Texas Christian team that at the very worst will finish with one of the top five programs in college football and probably start in the top 10 next year. And then, oh, yeah, they play Nebraska and Matt Rule the next week before jumping in to their Pac-12 regular season slate. It's a good time to be a Buffalo. Joel Klatt, you are welcome, sir. You are welcome. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. We will be back right here live just after the end of the selection day or selection Sunday show. When we find out who the college football playoff teams are, we'll talk about them right here. As soon as we know, get into some new year's six bold birth. We have some great shows planned for you in the rest of the week. My thanks as always to my intrepid lead producer, Tyler Wojak. That is Ava Yeh on our camera today. That's Chad Boulay directing for us. Our senior producer, Catherine Donnelly, holding it down. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. My thanks to Gabe Gross-Sable, who takes us live. And I will see y'all in a few hours. Deuces.